So yeah, it's it's cool. Um, just talking about that voters meeting, it seemed like everyone was all kind of pulling on the same, pulling on the same rope. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it feels like you can, like you're working against everyone, you know. But, but. Uh, well, is it because it was on Zoom? Maybe. Uh, I don't know, but um, but I don't know. I mean, I've been at meetings where it did feel like everyone was still yeah pulling on the same end of the rope and because we are that's the thing and um or rowing in the same direction right um when i so we call this whole thing the sanctuary right one of my friends is insistent on calling it a nave so it's a I think that's technically a this part, but then this part is actually the sanctuary. But again, it's you know, and everyone knows this comes from like navy. This is just it's a boat. It's supposed to look like a boat. And uh we're all in the the boat together. Joshua's just pointing it out that there's even a boat up there. There's all sorts of boats in the Bible. Um Supposedly, our church is supposed to look like a boat. It's supposed to look like Noah's Ark. You know, from the outside, you can imagine it, I guess. Um, I don't know how well it would float, but... Let's not try. I know, I don't really want to find out. Um, I think that this, it actually looks more like the boat in um, Gilgamesh the Epic of Gilgamesh rather than the one in the Bible. The one in the Bible is like long and but the one in Gilgamesh is I think it's square. Um but yeah it's it's we're all working in the same direction. Our our church in New Orleans did not float, no. It was under ten feet of water uh for I don't remember for how long, but until it until they could drain New Orleans. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it did not float there, no. Um, so, but yeah, so when we receive members in our church, and again, membership is a spooky word for a lot of people because we don't want to be members because being a member means you have to be, like, uh, you have to be somewhat committed, right? So when you become a member of something, that means that you get the emails, right? And that you have to respond to them sometimes. And, and there's, thing, there's things that are expected of you if you're a member of something. Um, or, you know, when you're... I remember when I was a kid and we would, like, build a, a, a clubhouse or something, right? And, like, uh, my friend's, like, little brother would not be allowed to be a member in the clubhouse but he just he was like he wanted to be a member so bad and I remember we would like uh, have like a second tier membership for him for Brian he could be I think we called him an honorary member but not an actual member or something like that but yes but yeah he wanted in right because membership has benefits he oh yeah yeah and and what he didn't know is that there wasn't really anything going on there either. But, uh, 
but yeah, so membership, uh, when we were talking about this, it means something more than just like uh, being in a club. It's actually, we're a part of a body all together. So um, we're all, we're all a part of the body, every single person. And so that goes for like the whole church and it goes for our own congregation as well too. So you're, you're actually a part of the body uh, here and and bodies without body parts don't do very well. So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you lose a leg, you can get along. Uh, if you lose your eyes, you can get along. But it's, it's suboptimal to function like that. Um, there, was a, there was a pastor we knew who, he had gotten tongue cancer. And uh, you think, like, well... If you're a pastor, your job is basically talking, and you lose your tongue. Oh well, you better find something else to do. But, but he learned to talk though, uh, without a tongue, and it was a little hard to understand him. You could tell he didn't have a tongue, but uh, he made it work. Yeah, I know it was really interesting to talk to him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd rather have it, you know. And so, and that's what it is in the church when we lose. When you lose members, it's not, it's not about like numbers and stuff, right? Everyone wants to know, how many members do you have? And the, the right answer is like, well, we have as many members as we're supposed to have. But it's, it's a painful thing when you do lose members um, for whatever reason that is. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's... Again, and this is how Paul talks about these things in in the epistles several times about uh, we're all members of the same body. So how do you get to be a member of this congregation? Well, um, and like I was saying, you, let's see, so Damien, you would not like have to do this thing because you were baptized here and that's how you become a member of this congregation. And then in confirmation, we kind of take it a step further, a little bit of a sign on the dotted line sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, the Lord makes members of congregations by baptism, all right, by teaching. And this is, this is just what he told us. This is how he told us to do it in Matthew 28. Well, you've got to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. So, and that's, that's, like, that's what you do. Um, so our, the vows, the oath, not oath maybe, but the vows that we have you take when you become a member here um, are very similar to those from your baptism. So do you in this, do you this day in the presence of God and of this congregation acknowledge the gifts that God gave you in your baptism? Yes, I do. Uh, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? Yes, I renounce them. Um, we have that as a three-part question in the initial right, I think, but do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit? And again, this is a creed. Um, so a friend of mine, and I, I would never, ever do this. Um, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Kansas uh, changed the words of this. So what his congregation says is, uh, I pledge allegiance in, in place of I believe and it's interesting I, I kind of like it 
And again, I would never ever do this. But when you think about what that means to believe something, um, and it's, it's shocking. If I would have that in the creed, um, just, I pledge allegiance to God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I mean, what would your reaction be? Yes. So, I mean, it's interesting. He's like using this language that's so ingrained in us about something else that the first thing you think is like, and, and, and it maybe worries you a little bit. You're like, uh-oh. Well, yeah. So, and his thing is that like, so what does, what does belief mean anyways? And, Everything. Yeah. Or again, I kind of like it. It makes a little bit of sense. Um, but that's what we ask you. We hold you to the creed, to the Trinity. Uh, is this the thing that's going to like run your life? Uh, and, if, and if you're not like on board with that, then like that's not what we're doing here, you know. Um, now, also, I think I told you not to tell me if you're a Freemason or something. But the, so we've always we've always had uh, issues with Freemasonry in in the church, and this is not just Lutherans either. Um, it's basically the reason why the Knights of Columbus exists. Um, you got to give people another club to join if you say they can't join the Freemasons. Um, so the problem with like the Freemasons is they actually take these like oaths and vows to these other gods, and they're like, "Well, it's just playing." We're like, "Well, that's not how it works. It's it's not just playing. It's not just a made up thing. We believe that, that your word, your vows, your oaths are actually real. So if you're actually having to take these other vows and oaths and these other organizations that conflict uh, with the creed and with the Holy Trinity, then like." You can't be here. You can come, but you can't join. And um, yeah, it's it's there's always like someone who comes along. They're like, "Wow, I'm I'm a Freemason just for the just for the tacos, or just because I want to use the pool or whatever." So, and this is sort of talking about like the Freemasons, but then also like the Elks and. Eagles is another one. Moose Lodge is another one. You see all these around. And um, Odd Fellows is another like weird old one. There's not many of those anymore. What's the one that sells the onions on Northern Lights? Oh, that's yeah. That's the those are Freemasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Shriners. Shriners. Yeah. No, we like Shriners. Why? Hospitals. They run hospitals for kids. They can't be bad. Like, well, okay, so they run hospitals for kids, but like, if they could just cut out the goofy religious stuff, then it'd be like great. But um, we actually approached them. I believe it was in the fifties, the Freemasons, and asked if like our people could join the Freemasons and not have to take the goofy oaths to the false gods. And they wouldn't budge. They're like, nope, that's part of it. And it, I don't know, 
if you've ever been to a Freemason funeral, like they are the weirdest things. Um, I don't remember exactly all what it was, but it was like, you're just like, this is icky. This is, uh, we're just parading our belief in false gods at this thing. And, um, yeah, being transferred to the Great Lodge in the sky and all these things. And you're like, I don't care if you're making these things up. You can't say them. Like, this is bad. So, um, and so we would say, and I believe on our membership application here, which some people get, some people don't, we kind of streamlined it on the website. Um, did you include, Ellie, Ellie typed it out. But did you include yeah, anything about Freemasons? Uh, yeah. There wasn't anything on any sheet I, I saw because I, I combined like three different ones. Yeah, we had a lot of different sheets, um, a lot of different old formats that we put together. But yeah, uh, there is. Well, the, the previous pastor here, he had been a Freemason, and so he knows like how bad this actually is. And so he was kind of, um, I think, more in more like my problem is I don't think anyone actually is a Freemason he was like oh no it's bad I was one right this is something you got to watch out for but um, yeah so that that's all contained in that right there all right so then do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God and the doctrine of the evangelical Lutheran church drawn from them and confess in the small catechism to be faithful and true. So this also assumes that we've been teaching you the small catechism and that you understand the small catechism and know it. Again, not hard, just six things in there. Um, Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments, uh, Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, and then uh, Baptism, Confession, Absolution, and uh, Holy Communion, Sacrament of the Altar. Yeah, it's like and to us, that's just like, this is just Christianity, right? Nothing added. That, that's the whole thing. It's just like distilled down into a very easy to digest and learn thing. Um, yeah, and that, that's, that, that shapes our life together as a congregation. Uh, now also, it's, it's interesting, we ask you, Old and New Testament... If you believe they're the inspired word of God, um, why do we use the term inspired? It's an interesting word. I mean, that's how we understand the scripture says they didn't inspire Yeah, I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe that these the holy scriptures are the word of God? That like essentially God wrote them through man. Right, it's it's interesting. We don't ask you if they are inerrant. That's kind of funny. You do ask the pastors that. Oh, so it's in the pastoral. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know if that's like giving you a little wiggle room. If you've got questions about the flood or something, I don't know. Um. Yeah, room for gospel reductionists and antinomians. Um, 
Yeah, it's an inspired word of God and infallible rule. So not inerrant, but... So, um, yeah. Do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? Wow. So what is, like, we're, we're asking, now we're getting into, like, what you do. So the first things are all about what you believe, all right? Do you believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you believe that the scripture is true? Do you believe the small catechism? And then we ask you what you're going to do here. What is the first thing that we ask you that you're going to do here? Are you going to come to church? It's not, the first thing we ask you is not like, are you going to, um, we're going to put you on the committee, you know, sign up to shovel the snow. Well, no, like that's not, uh, that's not what you're, we're bringing you in to do here. Um, it kind of comes up a little bit later. But the very first thing we actually ask you to do, just like, are you going to show up here and be a part of the, the feast? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that story today, the parable of the ten virgins, again, every year, uh, every year I'm just like, I... I want to preach something else, but then like you keep you looking at it and you're just like the 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 problem with the foolish virgins is really just that they left. Like they left. They didn't trust Jesus. That's it. They left. Like, so and everyone's like, Well, what does the oil mean though? Everyone's like, Well, the oil is faith and then I don't and I just don't think so. Like you can't really it doesn't work like that. This one commentator that I really enjoy, so like he thinks all that stuff is a foil. Um, that it doesn't. Yeah, kind of. And a red herring, yes. The oil and the lamps are all a red herring. Um, because again, it's like, so, I mean, all they get to do is like stay there. And so also the parable of the talents. You got the three guys, the one who got the five talents turned it into ten, the one who got the two talents turned it into four, and the one who got the one talent hit it in the hole in the ground because the master he knew to be a harsh man. And and he's the only one who gets sent out into uh, outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And and why is that? Well, it's because he he thought the guy was a, a bitter and harsh man. Uh, but then, like, if you can imagine a fourth person, I'm just just guessing. Uh, if there's a fourth person who was given five talents, went out, tried real hard, lost all of them, like what would the master who comes back say? I my guess he'd probably be like, "Ow, oh, hey, way to go! I didn't need it anyways." But, so, yeah, just just don't leave. Like, and that's actually what you're, we're asking you here. Just like, are you going to show up? Are you going to be here? This is good. Um, yeah, like, coming to church is actually important. I think so. Um, and it's not just coming. It's also receiving the Lord's Supper faithfully. So, um, yeah. And then, do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? So in the confirmation rite, we 
I think this is the first part where we ask if you're willing to die. So again, my like my big like test for confirmation kids is like asking them if they're ready to die for these things. And like if they're like, I don't think so, and like, well then you're not like ready for confirmation. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh we'll figure this out. But and I always feel like kind of bad about asking people this thing. I shouldn't, right? And the thing is, that, like, this is worth dying for. People die for this all the time. Uh, people die. Uh, people die for the faith. Literally every day, you know, and it's worth it. And we would never say that they're fools for this. You know? They're fools in the. They're fools for Christ, but they're not. They're not idiots. They know what they're doing. Um, most of the time, like the great martyrs too, they could easily get out of it. All they got to do is burn the incense to the emperor. All they got to do is say like, well, you're right. Jesus isn't Lord. Just let me go on my way. But they don't. Uh, it, and it seems like it, it must be a very clear thing. When you're when you're faced with that actual decision, like there's not any wiggle room, I don't think. It's, it's, so it must it must feel very clear that you're being called upon to to give witness, and and they do again all the time. Didn't it happen a few years ago here? There's some murder thing where he asked people if they were Christians before he. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was in Columbine. That was one of the big things. Yeah, is like, was, no, it was in the last. I want to say the last. Oh, really? Since we've been here. It may have been. That may have happened in Sandy Hook too. Uh, it's happened multiple times that. that the school shooters go around and they ask the kids, like, "Are you a Christian?" And if they shoot, and if they say yes, then they shoot them. You know. And and again, like. Don't be surprised when this happens. The world hates you. It hated Jesus. Don't lie. Um, it, yeah, there's this funny, it's not funny, but uh, in Islam, like they're actually permitted to lie to you. Like, Yeah, they can lie to us. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they can lie to us about anything. Um, but here, again, we're just asking you to tell the truth. Um, yeah, are you a Christian? Into the gun. It's like, well, yes. And then this is a great confession. So odds are you're not going to be tempted with something like that. And it'll be, or you won't be, you won't be tested like that. Instead, it'll probably be smaller things, you know, everyday sort of things like, well, okay. Um how am I going to how am I going to treat my my family and my neighbors? Um well, and things like can you come to soccer practice every Sunday? Yeah, I know. Right, can you come to to soccer practice every Sunday? Sunday will we're signing your kids up for soccer. It's on Sunday morning. What are you going to do? So, Well, I'm willing to die for the faith. But I might not be willing to 
go to church on Sunday morning for it if there's soccer. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's got to answer for themselves. Um, I think that would be a very tough thing for me to pull off, um, to be able to justify that, you know. But, um, yeah. So, it's just, it's just crazy to me. When I think of, like, uh, members in good standing in our church, you know, basically in my mind, if I see you once a month, I think they're like, oh, yeah, well, that person's a, that's a good member. I was like, I think we're asking a lot of you. And we're asking for a real commitment because the church won't work if you're not actually committed to being here. It, yeah, I mean, if everyone just comes once a month, then this is not going to work. It's not going to last long. So, you see churches closing across the country. Why is that? Well, because we turned in, we got lazy. We turned into lazy Christians who don't, who don't care about any of this stuff. And why is it worth caring about this even to the point of death? Because it's true. And... Uh, that's the one thing that Jesus Christ has actually overcome. All right? So when they come to you and ask you, are you a Christian, you're underneath the desk, well, yeah, like, of course. I've been prepared for this. Uh, I've, been, I've been preparing for my death and resurrection since I was baptized. This is what I was baptized. Why do you think we baptize you? Well, we baptize you into something, into the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's not some floaty around ethereal thing. This is a very real thing. And you can actually stake your life on this. I think you should. Um, so do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession in church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? So then we take it a little bit further even, right? You're going to go, uh, so in this confession in church, what's that asking? It's kind of re, re, re-asking what we did with the small catechism one there, but I actually think it means, like, are you going to, like, stay here? You know? Are you not going to, like, go church shopping? Because... You know? Again, like, we actually need people that we can count on here. Um, I mean, imagine if you joined the military and they were like... Yeah, you, you can... Go, yeah, stay... You can stay, you can go, you can do whatever you want. You know, just don't worry about it. Follow your friends. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. And if it leads to here, then that's fine. Like, no, well... You can't, you can't do anything with, with like, quarter-time, non-interested people. So, it's wild. Again, though, we ask you if you're willing to die for all this. Um, even for your congregation, I think. Like, this, this church. Are you going to stay here? And then, do you desire to become a member of this congregation... Oh well, basically that last question too. We're asking you, like, if you move to Scottsdale, you know, are you gonna 
join one of our sister churches and not whoever's got the best band or or whatever you know i mean isn't it interesting you what do you build the church around if you're if you're starting a church if you're building a church what do you what are you going to build it on or there's nothing in here about about the best band or the nicest windows or the nicest organ or whatever right that stuff all comes later um it's all about the actual doctrine. It's about the teaching. It's and and this is a good thing. Um, yeah, this confession in church. Um, so yeah, yeah. When you when you move to wherever, go to the closest Lutheran church, Missouri Synod congregation. That's what we're asking you to do. Uh, it's part of my job to make sure that people moving from here from other another place can actually find a church that they recognize here too and and not some church is just doing its own thing you know You're like well what is, it should look the same like that's you should be able to recognize us in other places and and, and you can so yeah but do you desire to become a member of this congregation I do Will you support our gracious Lord, the work our gracious Lord has given this congregation with your prayers and the gifts God has given you? Uh, whose work is it? That's the Lord's work. So the, the ELCA's, so the ELCA is the larger, more liberal sort of Lutheran and their slogan, does anyone know it? How come you don't know this? Um, is God's work, our hands. I actually kind of like it. It's nice. It's not, it's not a bunch of stuff we're trying to do. It's actually God gives you the work to do it. Uh, and then you just like, you do it. So what's the work that God has given us to do here? Well, uh, faithfulness. He's given us uh, to be faithful. Uh, yeah. How do you support the like faithfulness of a congregation? I mean, this is it. Like actually studying this stuff with your pastor, actually like coming to church, okay? And then you start doing other things too. Um, so, whatever other gifts you have, you know. And again, that I think maybe this is where the uh, uh, snow plowing or or uh, cleaning or being on the uh, widget committee or whatever comes in you know but that's not the first thing we ask you we ask you if you're going to show up and actually receive the lord's supper with us here first and then we get around to the other stuff later and i do think that there are these like concentric rings of duties as a member and actually coming to church is the first that's your first obligation and like out from that then then you know you can sign up to tile the bathroom or what i don't know whatever other thing so but we do actually make a claim on you and we we need you so uh upon this your confession of faith so that's all been a confession that's kind of fun i acknowledge publicly that you are members of the evangelical lutheran church and of this congregation receive the lord's supper and participate with us in all the blessings of salvation including potlucks uh, that our Lord has given to his church. Oh, well, I think it's in there. I think that's a footnote. 
in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, it's great. We're like, hey, well, you've confessed these things. And, and so as you confess these, you're, you're obviously a member of what we're doing here. There are um, blessings of salvation here. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a big deal. And we're, again, we're asking a lot of you. I guess the encouraging thing as a pastor, too, is when you see people actually living this out and keeping these vows, even though they don't remember that I made them, like, say them in church, which is why we're doing this. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it is really encouraging. And it's, you can do this, okay? I see people do it all the time. And it's not, it's not crazy, it's it's so like shocking. Um, I mean, everyone just like used to go to church every Sunday. I think I did, and I I don't know. It, it's I'm just struck by how we don't have any like halfway membership. We don't have any like. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiered. There's no like. Now you're in the premium zone, but here, would you want to be a bronze member who doesn't have to come all that often? You know, we don't ask for that, and neither does our Lord. When he calls the disciples, what does he say? He's like, hey, just come follow me. And they leave their boat, and Zebedee is there. He's like, ah, okay, that's interesting. Probably the proudest day of his life, you know. He's not like oh, halfway. And and then when they when they go back to the boats after the crucifixion, I'm I'm sure that they're just going back to their old jobs. They're like, ah, well, okay, but that's not the way that the Lord does it. He's like, oh, come on. And um, so it's it's kind of all or nothing here. Um. Yeah. So then, our prayer is, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your great goodness in bringing these your sons and daughters to the knowledge of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So who brought them here? He did. He did it. He grants all the growth to the to the church. Um. For a long time, the church has been plagued by something called the church growth movement, which um, sought to grow the church by any means possible uh, and often completely disregarding the word of God or anything. Um, doctrine would be seen as something offensive to people, and so you don't want to have that. In many churches, doctrine is a four-letter word, and and you can get thrown out for thinking the doctrine is important, that what gets taught is actually important, because what really matters is how many people are there. Well, what, what's the point if you're not actually teaching the truth? Um, so, yeah. It, I know, Jesus, he only had 12 disciples? He could have... Too strict. Yeah. He is. I mean, that's great. Like, Jesus never lets him off the hook. He's never like, yeah, okay.
Well, and you remember the, 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 the rich young man who Jesus says, hey, come be the 13th apostle. And it's like, all right, I'm doing it. And then he says, uh, all right, um, go and sell everything that you own. Give it to the poor. He says, ah, I don't think so. And then he went away sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Most people, I think, join things to get something. Uh, maybe joining the church seems like they're giving, you know, they're giving something. They don't understand that they're getting everything. But it seems on the outside, like, oh, well, I'm giving up my Sundays, or I'm giving up t- a tenth of my income. I'm giving, yeah. Yeah, I'm giving. When you join Costco, you're like, oh, I get to go shopping here, even though you're the one paying yeah. money to get to shop there. Amazon Prime is probably the biggest membership in, in the world, I imagine. Because yeah. you're paying to... <laughs> they have dues, huh? Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they take them from you, whether you okay. remember or not. <laughs> No, no, no. So maybe that, you know, that part of it is that people lost track of the fact that becoming a member gives you everything. Well, yeah, and that they've actually been brought here. Right. That the Lord brought them here. So, and this is a huge thing when we talk about the worship service, you know, it's, we call it the divine service. Intentionally, because this is where the Lord is actually serving us. He is coming to us to serve us. Um, it's not the other way around. Everyone thinks that they're making God happy by coming to church. It's like, well, He is happy about this, but that's not the point here. God's actually giving you the gifts. Like, yeah, they're, they're your. It's all for you. He does all this stuff for you. Um, yeah. So, um, and enabling them both with the heart to believe and with the mouth to confess his saving name. So we've taught you, and then you echo back what you have been taught. So this is that's this is the word catechesis. It just it's one of the root words, and there is echo. So we want to teach you these things so that you can echo them back, so that you can confess yourself along with the church, which has been confessing these things uh, for so long. Uh, Grant that by your word and spirit they may continue steadfast in the one true faith and the fellowship of this congregation, as together we await the day when all who have fought the good fight of faith shall receive the crown of righteousness. So joining this congregation also... uh, you're not just joining this congregation. It's something that is way bigger than this congregation. It is, you are all of a sudden being put together with all the saints um, on earth and who are now resting as well. So, yeah, we're, you're being incorporated into this, into the body, into the body of Christ. Uh, yeah, and then this is my favorite part at the end. The pastor extends the right hand of fellowship. It's great. You just like you're supposed to go out of the line and like shake people's hands. 
and, and Paul talks about this, about the right hand of fellowship. <laughs> it's great. Uh, you're just like welcoming them into the church. Um, the reason why we shake people's hands with our right hands is because uh, you don't have a sword. You don't have a weapon in your hand now. Um, it's almost... There's something like kind of vulnerable about about it too. Um, I'm putting down my weapons. You're putting down yours, and we're coming into this thing together. Um, and you greet each person by name. So again, that's important because the name again is. I think it's the first. One of the first questions that we ask you in in the baptismal rite: What's your name? Yeah, how are you named? So we use your name uh, throughout throughout everything. And then we bless you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And you go back to your place. So, I don't know. Yes? Do you baptize a baby that hasn't had a name? Or how do you? I did. Yes. Who? I baptized Jade before she had a name. Oh. And so what do you just say? This child... Yeah. Well, and that was, it was in the hospital, and so it was an emergency baptism anyways, so it didn't use the whole thing. Um, oh, okay. But, yeah. So maybe then in the public baptism, that Yeah, I would say when you do the public uh, acknowledgement of private baptism, that's where you would have that. But, Yeah. Yeah, we'd had her name already. Um, I mean, it's interesting. It does like mean that you have to have a name. And I don't know. That's the next thing, the freedom, you know, the gender freedom and all this is just not naming. Just, uh, oh, I know. So, like, widget, widget child. if yeah, if I. If you can't like tell tell your child that they're a boy or a girl based on how they're born, but here's the deal: you're not born a hermaphrodite, right? Like it's quite plain once the child is like actually born or in an ultrasound, like what that child is, right? And so you can say like you are a boy, and like yes, you are a girl, yes. Um, so we can't even say that, but like, how are you supposed to name a child? Yeah. Because that's something that like, they're not born with a name. You know? There's nothing in that child that says, this child is Scott, or whatever. You know? What name did you think I was going to say? I guess it's not that name. Pat. Yeah, we just give everyone just gets a number until you're old enough to choose your own name or something. But like, I've don't never encourage that. Don't even speak that loud. Somebody will hear it, and that'll be the next thing that we go. Like Elon Musk's uh, son, <laughs> oh my gosh, which is actually pronounced Kyle. 
don't know if you knew that, but uh, I thought it was Kyle. But, and that's like one of the like kind of painful things then about these like renaming ceremonies that people have. It's like you're actually rejecting quite a bit there. Um, yeah. In the resurrection, the Lord will still know you by whatever name he baptized you with. And so that's the name that we use here. So, uh, right, when we, when, we, when we pray for our, when we pray for our leaders in the church and in the uh, government by their first name, that's not a disrespectful thing. It's actually a, it's an honorable thing. We're saying like these are actually our brothers and sisters in Christ here. So, whoever it is, so. and no nicknames. So, if he ever gets to be president, we'll pray for Joseph, not Joe. Or my dad was always when I was growing up. My our governor was named Tommy. I guess I do know that they're growing up Tommy now, but my dad was always like, oh, grown men aren't supposed to be called Tommy. <laughs> but you would pray for Thomas, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why my parents named me Kyle, so I couldn't have a nickname. Oh, really? Is that one of their considerations? That something would not be a nickname? Yeah. They believe that strongly in my baptismal identity. They didn't want me to have a nickname. So, you find out who's watching on the internet with all these sorts of like wonderful things at the end. So. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. The book of Revelation? Yes. Yeah, these things are actually happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we're studying this on Wednesday nights, uh, Revelation right now, but no, uh, I mean, yeah, we just got through the four horsemen. Yeah, okay, they're out. They're out of the barn. Uh, yes, this is happening. So... But again, the book of Revelation, though, it's, uh, it's supposed to be, it's like what I was talking about today, it's horrifying if you're on the wrong side. You know? I'm not. Uh, are you? No. Yeah. So uh, these things actually all work out in your favor. Uh, it's interesting that our kids don't even think it's scary. Like, where did they get that? Yeah. I mean, but even me, like, when you say, like, well, the end of the world, I just think, yeah, whatever, zombie apocalypse, nastiness, which I shouldn't at all. Um, what I should think of is, like, a bath, and then everyone comes out the other end. Like, the end of the famine. The end of the, oh, right, the end of the, what, the end of death? Yeah. And I think that is a scary thing. Of course it is, because we can depend on death, right? That's the one thing we can depend on. That's how you solve some problems in church. You just wait for people to die. <laughs> we'll find out who's watching now. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's... Um, 
No, it's a good thing. The, I mean, the beginning and the end of Revelation, and all through it, like Christ is, it truly is triumphant and seated on the throne. Um, and none of these happens apart from him either. Like, so, yeah, it's all for our good. Any questions? Well, great. Um, let us pray. Lord, uh, we pray that everyone in this congregation would be uh, brought uh, to, to live these uh, wonderful lives which we have already pledged ourselves to, um, that we would indeed live faithfully and receive the Lord's Supper here, and that we would make this a place where uh, your teaching would be seen and heard uh, by whomever you would bring here. Uh, keep us always steadfast, especially in your word this week. Uh, keep us all safe as uh, so many travel. And uh, give us wisdom and peace in uh, times when there's so much chaos. Uh, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, friends. <laughs>